All right, hello everybody and welcome back. If you have been to one of our sessions before and welcome if you are new to the Mad Kudu Marketing Ops Confessions where we're bringing marketing ops and other ops professionals on stage with us to share their lessons learned. And I am incredibly excited to be having um, Brittany Young on stage with us today to share um, her tips and tricks and, and dive a bit into her her experience and career. Um, by way of a, of a quick bio introduction, and then I'd, I'd love to pass it to Brittany to share more. Um, she is an experienced B2B marketer. She's also an author and a speaker, so she can probably share a bit more about, about that. Um, she is currently the marketing automation specialist at McKesson, um, and her experience is, is extensive um, across both large companies and, and smaller organizations. And so we'll, we'll touch quite a bit on that. And um, she has experience driving strategy for, for things like web, email, social media, um, improving the customer journey all through marketing automation. So um, incredibly excited to have her here. Um, I believe I, I caught wind of this on, on LinkedIn that it's also her birthday month and I am a huge fan of celebrating birthdays all month long. So we all, um, at least at Matkuda, we wish you a very happy birthday, Brittany. Um, I'd love to pass it to you to just share a bit more about, about your background and um, why you're here today. Yeah, thanks, Laura. And yes, I, I am a big fan of celebrating birthdays. I think everyone should. It's, it's yes. your day, your month, all of that. So <laughs> really excited. Um, yeah, so I've... Um, I I'm I work in our on our marketing automation team at McKesson. I've been there about a year and a half, and um, some of my previous roles, um, I've been in marketing operations um, at at much smaller teams. But um, overall, you know, I've been very passionate about digital marketing uh, probably since uh, right out of college. Um, I went to Cal State Fullerton. And um, yeah, it's it's just been fun just seeing how everything's changed and grown over the years. Awesome, yeah. So I think by way of like kicking things off here, um, one area that I find very interesting, and I think a lot of our um, you know community will also find interesting, is the breadth of experience you have as it relates to company size. So, um, you know, for those that are getting started at a smaller company, obviously the, the goal is that that company grows and becomes a larger company, or, or maybe somebody's at a larger company and has only had small company experience. So you've had it all, which is awesome. Um, how did that transition go from small to large? Um, and assuming that order of operations, since you're now at McKesson, which is a, a fairly large organization, um, and what were some of the biggest differences you saw? Yeah, that transition um, was when I took this role at McKesson. All my previous roles, I had always been on teams of maybe 10 or 15 marketing people. And when it came to marketing operations, it was really like a team of one or two. So uh, when I first made the transi transition to McKesson, it was... Um, it was very different, um, you know, just having a team and being a part of a team um, and not the only one in Marketo because that uh, that's our marketing automation platform we use. Um, that was it was I would say it was different in a sense that um, previously I had always 
kind of known everything that was going on in my instance and, you know, how that all worked. And when I made that transition to McKesson, not only was I um, now in multiple instances, um, I also inherited multiple instances. So I didn't quite know or understand where everything was or why it was. And, and it took time to really um, learn all of that. Yeah, it, it's interesting, right? Even just the like, at a smaller company, you've got your hands in more things, I would imagine you are privy to decisions that are being made at multiple levels of the organization. And a larger company, you may not be part of all of those conversations, but it's still important that you know, um, all of that. Any, um, you know, lessons learned in, in going from small to large? I think um, what, one of the lessons I quickly learned is like having to let go of that mindset of being involved in everything because the reality is you're not. Like yeah. there's, there's many, many teams and many, many people and a lot of people that go into making decisions. And so if you are used to being that one who's actively involved, you, you really do have to let that go. And instead, um, really learn how to partner. That's, that's really what I had to learn is, you know, who are these other teams and what are their roles and how can I best partner with them um, on different initiatives so we can, we can all get what we want. Yes. And I, I want to touch on all of the partnerships that you, you build or have to build. And this is regardless of the company size. But before we do that, you mentioned managing multiple instances. And I think this is a really interesting thing because a lot of times, um, you know, startups, they start with one instance, but there's a lot of reasons why you might find yourself, whether it's because you have multiple product lines, acquisitions, mergers of companies where you find yourself with multiple instances. And sometimes in my experience, um, I've had, you know, not just, you know, two or three instances of Marketo, but maybe like a Pardot and a HubSpot or a Pardot and a market, mar you know, so not even the same platform. Um, would love for you to tell us, like, what does that look like at McKesson? How many instances? What do you, how many do you control or admin? And what does that look like from a marketing ops team perspective? Yeah, we're um, because, like you mentioned, there there has been acquisitions, and we also have multiple brands and product lines. We have gone the route of having a different um, instance for each one. So on the team that I'm on, we manage four instances of Marketo, but um, there's probably at least another four or five on top of that. Um, and it's, it's definitely, um, it takes a lot of um, thought and process when it goes into um, kind of managing that word. If you are used to kind of winging things in, in an instance you have, that that definitely isn't the case when you have multiple because there's a lot of people that are also working across instances. So you have to really streamline and standardize what you're doing in each one. Yeah, it, I mean, how do you approach when you've got multiple people that are going in and using it? And um, also maybe even on the topic of like multiple instances, why not merge them all? Is, is that a goal that you have to merge the, the instances to standardize? Our, for our organization, no, we, we don't plan to merge them just because um, each of our audiences are so different and so distinct in their own way. So we want to keep them separate. But one thing that I've been tasked with is 
helping us at least standardize what how things look and feel and things like naming convention um, in each of those instances. And it, that really helps our team because we do have several um, people working on our team in each of the instances. It makes it really challenging if, if you know, this instance looks and feels one way and another instance is another way. So when I was originally um, brought into McKesson and hired here, that, that was one of my main initiatives was to kind of take a step back at and see how do all of these, you know, look and feel and what are the ways we can now make this look and feel the same so that um, each person can easily take a task, uh, a request rather from one instance and, you know, be able to execute the emails and go into another one. And it's the same thing. Yes. Yeah. So not always a goal to, to merge instances, but it's always a good idea to standardize. Um, and, and get the look and the feel, look and feel of, of each of those similar. Um, when we were talking about this, as we were prepping for this, project management came up because you've mm -hmm. got multiple instances, you've got multiple marketing stakeholders and other folks that are going into each of those um, Marketo instances. Share some examples of how you manage the daily mm -hmm. requests, right? Like I'm assuming you get daily requests, which is probably more than um, you know, uh, somebody in your shoes at a smaller company is getting. Yes. I, project management tool is essential and <laughs> Amen. We, we use Workfront at McKesson and the, we live, live, breathe everything Workfront. Um, and it, it is, I would say for our team, the biggest thing that, um, sometimes has to be reminded to people because you always get business and stakeholders who want to kind of, you know, skirt outside of the project management tool and just send an email and say, hey, can you do this? But I, I'm always reiterating to my teammates, hey, did they put this in work front? If the answer is no, go back to their email. Oh, sure. We'd love to help you put it in work front because that that there is no way we could keep track. And then right. also because there are multiple um, team members who work on projects, Sometimes it might be, you know, someone's out next Tuesday, they might have started it, but um, they're not able to finish it. So by keeping everything at work front, someone else from our team could easily go in and see, okay, where they're at with their tasks, you know, any updates that were made, and they mm -hmm. can pick it up from there. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, and I'm sure that was um, a lesson learned the hard way, as many things are in, in operations. Yes. Um, but how... Um, any other tips that you would have for folks that maybe don't have, um, you know, they haven't set up their project management yet? Is, is there like a V1 that, that you would share that would be um, the best thing to get started with to start managing the requests as a company scales? Yeah, I would say even when I was at smaller companies, um, we did start utilizing a project management tool. Um, in one of my previous roles, um, we just started with Asana Mm -hmm. And, you know, uh, and I think the free version at that, <laughs> and, and we just, you know, made it a practice, made it a habit um, amongst our team to put everything in Asana. And um, I would say that's it. Even if you are at a small company, you can still get started with that, that process driven mindset to just, you know, make it a habit to put everything in the tool. Yes, you heard it here first. Process <laughs> and... Um, project management is is a requirement not only for large organizations. 
I would say even like when there's a team of one, even our team, um, you know, we we try to track everything, not only just so we can, um, you know, identify what's not being worked on or to your point, something that's in progress, but we need other, you know, other people to um, jump in and help out, but also just to, to get a sense of like, what are all the requests that we have of ourselves? And, yeah. and it's, it's eye-opening when you start tracking it. And, and yes, it's very easy to go run this report or to, you know, handle the logistics of this campaign or to segment for an email in this way. But when you add them all up and you look at them, you know, as a retrospective from the quarter, it's, it's sometimes very eye-opening how much um, goes into everything that happens on a marketing department um, that a marketing operations person would touch, um, which is, it's a fantastic thing for, for the function and, and the impact that it actually has on, on an organization. I, I would also add that can help you when um, if you're trying to get more headcount, because that that actually happened to me at a previous company where I was a team of one doing Marketo and the ridiculous expectation of the amount of campaigns they wanted me to produce because I was tracking everything. Yep. Um, I was able to go to our VP and say, hey, <laughs> I need help. <laughs> I can't continue to do all of this by myself. Yes, that's a very good point of, of using that as a way to justify additional resources. And if it's not a, a full-time headcount, sometimes you can take that and um, justify bringing in an agency because with an agency, and I know we've talked about mm -hmm. this in, in past sessions on, on this series, um, it can really help you scale and you're getting expertise, not only in the execution, but also in the strategy and a sounding board. If you are a team of one or two or five, you know, like you don't have a, a big army of, of folks to manage all of the growing number of campaigns that you're operationally responsible for. And so you get access and exposure to all of the clients that that agency has. So you're you're by me by way of bringing them on, kind of building your own community and your own board of directors, so to speak, that yeah. you can turn to, um, which I think um, is is a winning strategy for for someone who's building their career in marketing ops. Definitely, yeah. Um, so speaking of um, scaling yourself and and empowering others, um, would love to talk a bit about some of the things that you're doing, um, and and really lessons learned, right, about some of the internal initiatives at McKesson that you're spearheading to make sure that, you know, you can share knowledge, right? Like you've got a pretty big marketing team and a lot of people that are, are exposed to the instances that, that you are responsible for. Um, and, and so how have you been increasing that knowledge share and effectively scaling yourself? Yeah. On the, the team that I'm on specifically, um, I have found it most helpful like to schedule what we call um, Let's Learn Marketo sessions. Um, it's just a quick 30-minute reoccurring meeting I have um, with different teammates where we can talk anything and everything, any of their questions that they have maybe on a, it could be a current project or it could just be something they want to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and I found that very, very helpful. Um, not only for the person because, you know, they're learning, but even for me and my own time, because, you know, I, I love to teach and share knowledge, but 
I don't always have the time to do so. And, you know, just getting random questions here and there really isn't the most effective way um, for me to be able to, to help them. Um, so that has really helped a lot. And then um, just across the organization, because like you mentioned, we do have so many instances and so many people, we realized we could be kind of our own knowledge base and really share ideas and tips and tricks and um, even agency partners, things like yeah. that with each other um, and really help each other um, just within our own company. Yeah, I love that. Like your own little um, Marketo user group within the company. Yeah. Um, do you encourage your team to um, to go outside of just that and and learn new skills to be even better in in Marketo? I I do. I I'm always um, the one who's you know sharing when there's events coming up or if I hear different um, tips and tricks in Slack. Like I'm really involved in a lot of the Mops Slack channels. Mm -hmm. Um, I will always share that information um, to try to help them uh, learn more. And, you know, and some really have appreciated it, that because they've been able to go and sign up for different webinars or, um, you know, research new methods to do things that have really helped our team. Yeah. I'm curious if you found with, um, you know, the breadth of different types of marketers that you work with, both with very technical acumen, I'm sure, and, and those that you know, are, are nervous to click send on an email, right? Mm -hmm. um, any baseline technical skill set that you think somebody should have in marketing in general, but then also like to be a marketing ops person? Oh, that's, you know, I mean, I, it's hard for me to say with that because I, I feel like my own journey and story into marketing ops, mm -hmm. I like, I wouldn't, have considered myself a tech person. Um, I do think that you at least need a, a, a curiosity of the tech. And like, I, I would say if you do have, you know, baseline understanding of, of course, things like HTML or um, mm -hmm. even just understanding like data architecture, because that that's something I, I've probably grown in the past two years, um, especially being at McKesson, because um, you know, you just understanding how the data is going from one system to the next and what is the best way to make those systems talk to each other. I, I feel like there's a lot of self-learning that can be done on that. It's, it's not like you have to have, you know, gone to school for something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I found that as well, like the, the hunger to learn and, mm -hmm you know, a little bit of nerdiness and things like data architecture and, and how things work and reverse engineering is um, sometimes a good prerequisite for someone that falls into that role. Um, I love that. Okay, shifting gears slightly, um, we had talked a bit about the different stakeholders that you have to align with. We, yes. all love, we all love our counterparts in sales. So I wanna start there aligning with sales, obviously they're working out of their CRM, which um, I believe McKesson, you guys use Salesforce. Yes. Um, and so you've got the sales team that's living and breathing um, in their, their Salesforce instance, you know, you're, you know, em empowering them, but you're also living and breathing in marketing automation in Marketo. 
how do you align with them? And, and maybe there's a, a topic here about how you work with sales ops, but to ensure that you are a great partner there. And, and there's a lot of places we can go, go here, but I think let's start with the, the high level, kind of your stance on aligning with, with sales and sales ops. Yeah, I, I found two things that have been helpful. One is like understanding what's important to them and their, like their language. Um, and that kind of goes with the second one, which is like actually meeting with them to <laughs> understand what that is. It's amazing um, what you can learn when you meet with someone, right? Yeah. And I, and I did that in my previous role, that was probably where I really learned that lesson the most. Um, I had reoccurring meetings with um, one of our sales directors, and then I also had a reoccurring meeting with our Salesforce admin. And I, in those meetings, um, I did a lot of listening, um, more so than saying like, you know, these are the campaign. I would, I would share like what we were going to do, but I also spent a lot of time just listening and understanding, um, you know, their role in the business, what were they focused on and then took that information to see, okay, how can we partner with that? And, and in doing those meetings, I actually was able to see like there, there was misalignment because sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. we had this very well thought out dimension <laughs> strategy. And, you know, when I would go to our sales director and he was all like, oh yeah, these are the things we're focused on the two didn't align. And, you know, be, because I had those interactions with him, I was able to go back to our team and say, hey, like, we really need to rethink, um, you know, how we're approaching this so we could better align. Yes. Um, that can feel very frustrating when you first recognize that there is such a disconnect between the two teams. But I also like to think about it as an opportunity to build a stronger relationship, you know, whether it's the infancy of those both teams being built or if that those teams have been operating in silos for a decade. Um, there's there's still an opportunity to bring the two together and it does start with meeting. And I love that you're, you're talking about it as recurring meetings, right? It's not once yes. a quarter. I, no. imagine, I imagine your recurring meetings are pretty frequent. Yes, at least I think with the director, I think ours were bi-weekly and with our, uh, my previous Salesforce admin, it was, um, it started off bi-weekly, but then we found we actually had, um, we needed more frequent interaction. So then it turned into just a reoccurring weekly meeting um, just to check in and, and really understand the changes um, that he was making on Salesforce mm -hmm. side. And then if there were things I needed, um, any new fields or, you know, new things to sync, I could, it gave me that opportunity um, to really talk with him one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And what about sales apps, right? Like I, I think, and I remember in our conversation, sales apps has generally been the one that is kind of the CRM admin. Mm -hmm. um, how do you recommend fostering a relationship with them um, and, and working together since those two systems are, are you know, it's a necessity that they're in lockstep with each other. I think that's where the importance of really understanding their language and their world um, really becomes important. Um, at, at first, I would say probably two or three years ago, I didn't quite understand how, how or why that was important mm -hmm. for us both to, you know, be aligned. Um, and I didn't know as much about Salesforce at the time. I kind of saw it as, oh, you know, that's, 
that's the CRM. I don't need to worry about that. I'm in my right. <laughs> and so, um, but as you know, as I've grown in it, I've realized how how important that relationship is because you know we there's a lot of things you can't do if you're not in sync with that person. And so it what I did is really spent time learning more um, about Salesforce and even just like the lingo, being able to communicate mm -hmm. the words they use it, when they hear, at least what I've seen is when you could, they could tell that you kind of know the language, they're more eager to like help and connect and, you know, cause it's like, you guys are talking the same thing. Correct. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's interesting how sometimes sales gets a rap of like, oh, they hate Salesforce. They hate going in and, and entering things and, and, Marketing's like, here's a campaign report, like just go after these people and invite them to our field event. Right. And, um, you know, you and I were joking offline about how sometimes demand gen marketers try to make things very complex. And they're like, you've yes. got this 15 stage process. You're going to insert a direct mail here. And then these 16 things are going to happen. We're going to have a cookie campaign and we're going to connect the dots there. You're going to get the executive bot bought in at stage seven and, you know, and there's actually better, quicker, and probably more impactful ways to um, make a big impact or, or align with sales. Um, I would love for you to share some of those tactical examples that that you've um, that you've been able to bring forth. Yeah, uh, the simplest, <laughs> simplest one has to do with views, like between views and layouts in Salesforce. So. I've, I've encountered that several times um, where I hear someone like, I hate Salesforce, blah, blah, blah. Well, my yeah. first question is always why. And it's not yeah. just why, like, I want to sit down with you and understand what is your, your pain point. And what I've found a lot of times, it could be a layout that, you know, really is, is, is just too complicated. Maybe we don't need all of those fields, all of those details on the layout. Um, and um, I've been able to then take that insight back to sales ops, like, hey, you know, I had a conversation with so-and-so, can we simplify this? Did we, they said they don't need this, this isn't that, why don't we take that off? And it's like, oh, okay. And same thing with the views. I've had people <laughs> where they're like, every time I go to this report, I can't find what I want. Yeah. And it's like, oh, well, we just need to change your view to include these three columns. And it's like, wow, that's that's all I wanted. So those are two, I mean, really quick wins that I think people often overlook. But it, it really could be as simple as, you know, changing your layout or maybe even having to develop a custom layout if needed um, and updating your your views to what what that person wants to see. Yeah. And I think going back to your earlier point, the only way you're going to get those understandings or the those ideas of how to make that big impact is if you're listening first yes. and meeting with them. Um, we have something that we call sales ride-alongs at Mad Kudu where we will um, like sit with the sales team and watch them go through how they look at leads at an account in mm -hmm. Salesforce and how they're processing information as it relates to historic engagement or how likely they are to purchase. And it's it's in those meetings and those ride-alongs that we get ideas for oh not even like for ourselves of like new campaigns but like how to make it easier for them or like all right next week let's just run this one report and here's all the accounts mm -hmm. that we should start thinking about 
um, adding to our target list for X, Y, or Z. Um, so uh, yeah, I think there's, there's, if you're not meeting regularly or you're not following sales and their process, um, you should be. Yeah. And, um, it is, yeah, it, it'll feed you and feed your strategy for, for time. Um, anything else to share about sales before we move on to like how you align with, with demand gen? Um, no, I think, um, that's yeah. The main part is just the meeting and the understanding. And also, I, oh, I would add for, for specifically like whatever marketing automation tool you use, if there are things even as simple as alerts, that's been another mm. area where I've, you know, I've had a sales rep say, you know, I really wish the alert would include, you know, this information. Those are quick wins where it's like, oh, I didn't know you needed that, you know, um, and you're able to just update an alert so that they get all that information, whatever information is relevant to them and their alert. That's a great example, especially as it connects um, with marketing automation platforms. Oftentimes those alerts come out of there. I'm curious, how many different types of alerts do you have? And, oh, wow. you know, because, yeah, I, I'm curious as, as we're building it our, ourselves, too. Yeah, we're... Um, I guess pretty much for every, I, our alerts are based on the form pretty mm -hmm. much because we have, we have a lot of forms. Um, and so for each form, there's an alert and depending on most of the alerts have the same information, but there are, there, there have been requests where someone's like, I really wish this had this, you know, mm -hmm. and I've been able to customize it for, um, you know, whatever they, they need for that particular form or, um, initiative. Yeah. Have you ever gotten feedback um, either at McKesson or elsewhere of like there being too much noise, right? Like you're there's too many form fills. There's too many alerts that are coming because like there's engagement at certain accounts or, um, you know, I've seen it where the alert goes out to the entire sales team instead of just to the the owner of that account. Um, how do you think about setting that up? So, you know, less is more. Yes, that happened. I would say in my previous role, because we, I would say our, our VP and our sales VP were not aligned in what a, a, a marketing qualified lead was. And so uh, what happened was, you know, our, our VP, the marketing VP thought it was, he had his definition. And so oh, yeah. we had his architect Marketo that way, uh, where, you know, I think it was, based i want to say it was based off of like email clicks which is really really bad because we all know about like the bot issue and all of that so yeah. of course sales got flooded with hundreds of alerts like what the hell is this it was it was really bad so like a facebook uh, moment yeah, yeah it was bad so they um we that helped us then go go back and kind of reevaluate um, what, what we were doing when it came to alerts and we had to change some things in, in Marketo that better aligned with what sales saw as the lead. Yeah. Have you tried any, um, interesting tactics with alerts? Like I know there's the capability of doing like SMS, like integrating with Slack, or do you do like the tried and true it hits their email? Right now, I would say mostly email. The The only one that's kind of different um, that's not necessarily based on like a like a form fill is um, we have some alerts that go out based on videos watched. Okay. Um, 
that was a request from a business, one of our businesses, they wanted, um, you know, they had a set of 10 different videos and anytime someone watched one of those videos, they wanted to get an alert to know that they watched it. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, we currently, we have our alerts in Slack and we, I like that because then the AEs can go in and like give a little emoji to say that they saw it and like, follow oh, that. so, um, you know, very, uh, very interesting to think about all the different ways you can use it, but um, it gets, it can get noisy very quickly. So making sure that yes. you stay on top of like, what are they actually using and what are they asking for? There's nothing better than when they're asking for the alerts. Right. As soon as you start shoving alerts down sales as, you know, throats, um, <laughs> adoption's probably going to suffer. Right. Right. Indeed. Um, all right. So we've talked early on about digital marketing, super passionate about it. Um, nurturing leads within the funnel. Um, I'd love to talk a bit about how you, um, well, well, how you think about digital marketing in your role. Um, and I know you recently recently did a, a presentation with, with Digital Marketing Summit um, and actually had a really great analogy that I'd love for you to share with everyone on how lead nurturing is like dating. Yeah, I... Um... I don't, I don't even know why, like, I fell in love with Demandgen. I, I guess it was because um, one of my roles, two roles ago, um, we, I, I got to be a part of a team that was, like, brand new when it came to, like, digital marketing for that company. They never had anything before. Like, they had a website, but they didn't <laughs> have, like, um, a marketing automation platform, SEO, all of that stuff. So it was very, um, I learned a lot and very insightful to kind of learn what it's like to put all that together and then set it live and then actually like build and scale your program. Um, and I, I think that's kind of where I fell in love with it. Cause you know, we, we went from seeing, um, 10 leads a month to, by the time I left, we were getting probably close to like four or 500 a month. And just, mm -hmm. just seeing that growth was really exciting. And so one of the things that always bothered me um, in that role, and that's what led to the presentation, was um, we didn't we didn't really like nurture the leads um, initially. Like it was just kind of like in your face. Um, we, we bought lists, which I, I, I never yes. felt comfortable with, um, but... They bought lists. Um, I had to send out these emails to the, you know, I think the, we purchased probably 500,000 contacts. It was wow. just, it was so bad. <laughs> I love all the baseball moments in this one. It's, I mean, it's, it's a real, it's a real thing. It was so bad. And so, I, and I didn't like it. And so that's what like led me to making this presentation of like, you have to see lead nurturing like dating. Um, and, you know, I did this presentation at Digital Marketing Summit. Um, it, and I do feel a lot of the women found it very relatable <laughs> just because, um, you know, you don't want to be like in somebody's face. Like you just met them. Um, you want someone to get to know you and understand what's important to you. And that's, that's really what my presentation was about is using your um, strategy and all of your tools to actually build that relationship and not just blast emails for the sake of blasting emails. Yes. Like you were saying, it was, 
you know, you're not going to meet someone and then the next day ask them to marry you. So maybe maybe don't throw that request a demo button right in their face when they've never heard of your company before. Yes. But uh, you know what amazed me the most in that previous company is the fact that they were like confused of why it wasn't working. They were just like, why aren't we getting leads? We paid for this list. And I'm like, are you serious? (laughs) This should be obvious. They, yeah. they don't know who we are. They know nothing about us. Yeah. Yeah. And that is, um, my opinion on it is that you're, you're, you've got one chance, right? You burn bridges very quickly and it depends on who you're selling to, you know, we sell into marketers. So I take it very, um, seriously, the, you know, the brand that we put forth and, you know, how we interact from the very first touch point. Um, because it, it reflects on the entire company. And if we, you know, piss somebody off with like a cold email that is clearly not, you know, relevant to the person or the the receiving company, um, we probably don't have a shot with them for another one to two years, Right. right. Until the new, you know, team cycle through. And, and so if you're just kind of spraying and praying, you're, you might see some trickle through, right? Like if you, cast a wide enough net, somebody's going to fall into your funnel, but it, it sh- certainly isn't a scalable strategy. Yeah. Um, any, any tips for, for the folks on the call um, of, you know, practically how to, um, you know, th- quick things that, that we can change to make sure or check for to make sure we're not, you know, being those, um, you know, over-aggressive suitors? <laughs> Um, I would say start with your data. That's, that's the thing. Like, um, before I left that role, um, one of the kind of like my baby project that I was so in love with, um, was actually taking time to analyze all of our data to understand, okay, who is it that actually comes to our website? For example, like what are those, um, personas? Um, we had found there was a lot of small business that that usually came to our website and that helped us inform or better um, write our content because I think a lot of our content at the time, um, even in the spray and pray emails was like speaking to a larger audience. Um, But as we found, Hey, like most of the people that come to the website, aren't the big guys, it's the smaller guys. How, what is most um, useful for them? And so we started with that, like looking at, okay, who's coming, understanding the personas. And then we took a look at our content. That was the other thing is analyzing, okay, what, who is our content speaking to? Are there any content um, gaps? Like we, we had a lot of, um, I would say bottom of the funnel or top funnel content. Um, there was no middle funnel content. That's what was really missing um, when there were small businesses that really had key questions about things like um, price or, you know, things that uh, were differentiators. We didn't have anything that spoke to that. So those are two, I think, quick things you could do no matter what size company you're at to help to um, improve your strategy. Yeah, that's that's great thinking about it from from the very top of the funnel and then the stages that they go through. all about the customer journey, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, awesome. So I do want to ask a couple of questions that that we kind of ask across many of these um, each week. Um, 
marketing operations is getting a lot of um, hype lately, which is great. Yeah. Where, do you, where do you see that role going? Where, where, what is it going to evolve to be over the next five years? Oh, I, I only see it becoming of more importance because I think um, it's slow. I've slowly seen at each organization I've been at um, kind of the turn of like at first we were just the email team or the digital team or whatever. Um, but I, I am seeing more and more as companies really um, understand it, it's not just about the, the channel per se, like email or something, but it's the actual backbone and infrastructure to what we're doing. I, I continue to see that becoming more and more important. And I just think we're probably going to move um, in more um, importance and prominence within the organization. Yeah, yes. Um, I think that's very, very similar to a lot of other folks in your in your role, which is is awesome to see. Um, curious, where where do you sit in the organization now? And and kind of a hot topic lately is where should marketing ops sit in the organization? Should it be, should there be a rev ops? Should it be you know central to the organization outside of any go to market function, or should it sit within a go to market function? Curious what your take is on that. Yeah, so ours right now, we sit within the digital marketing team. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, it's still within marketing. It's a segment of our bigger marketing team that that I'm on. Awesome. And, and where do you think, you know, do you have a, a, a stance on, you know, whether revenue operations and a centralized model is the future or is that wishful thinking? You know, I, I've heard a lot of conversations on both sides. I, I don't know if I have an exact stance because I kind of see both sides of it. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I'm not I, I don't I'm neutral in, in this one. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, I'll make a note to check back in and in case it, it changes over the next several months and years. Um, it's interesting to stay on top of those topics because um, I'm with you. I see the benefit on both sides and and. I think it makes a lot of sense for some larger organizations, but um, difficult to put in practice um, mm -hmm. depending on the company and if there's there's executive buy-in. Much like anything, right? Any initiative that that a company tries to push forward, if there's not buy-in from the top, it's it's less likely to um, to come to fruition. Um, lastly, do you have any recommendations for everyone? joining us today or, or for those that listen to this recording um, on how to stay crisp, how to stay up to speed on all things marketing ops, any communities you're a part of or, or resources that you love um, that people should check out? Uh, Slack, Slack with, um, you know, MOPS professionals and um, those, that has probably been the most helpful of, of really staying um, on top of, you know, the latest. Um, I would also say just, you never stop learning in this role. So if you don't like learning, it's probably not for you. Because um, I, I learn something every day, every week. Um, you just have to keep staying curious, asking why and, um, you know, and understanding how things work. And you, you can't just sit back. Like once you think you know it all, you don't know it all. There's always something else. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
Um, well, we can include those in, in our follow-up email too to make sure everyone knows where to where to find those um, those communities. Um, we're big fans of them as well at Mad Kudu. Um, well, with that, I you know if you have anything else that you want to share or any key takeaways, um, feel free. Yeah, um, only thing other thing I would share is you know if there there's folks that are interested in in getting in this, you know. Um, I've had other colleagues who were interested in learning um, marketing operations and Marketo and all that. And I would just encourage you to, um, you know, reach out to the people in, in your company. Um, a lot of times I've had colleagues who, who were genuinely interested and I would um, do things like maybe even give them access to our sandbox so they could learn um, and kind of play without, you know, breaking anything. But um, it, I would say if, if you truly want to, to learn, there's, there is a lot of information that's out there. And, you know, just be curious. Don't, don't be scared of it either. Because that's another thing I always hear from people who are like, oh, it mm. seems scary. Like, don't be scared. <laughs> mm -hmm. Where, um, it's a lot to learn, but it, it's, it's great. It's fun. And it goes the reverse way too, right? Like if you're building out your um, marketing ops team and, and there's other folks in the organization that you think have a knack for it, or they keep gravitating towards like, let me set up that email. Like those could be good people, not condoning you poach from your own internal teams, but also <laughs> you know, movement within a company is a healthy thing and, and it leads yeah. to longer tenure. So I think that that advice works both ways. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Brittany, thank you so much for joining and, and sharing your, um, you know, your amazing story and, you know, your advice for, for how to do everything from, um, you know, nurturing across the funnel to encouraging knowledge, knowledge share internally and, and sometimes the craziness that comes with working with sales and managing multiple instances at a company as large as McKesson. I'm, I'm sure that folks on this call and and the ones that listen in um, in the future are going to have a lot of a lot of ideas. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you for having me. All right. Well, I hope everyone has a great rest of their their day and awesome weekend ahead. And we'll see you next week on Mad Kudu's Marketing Ops Confessions. <laughs>